It's game time. Bill and T and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day T podcast mm-hmm. with your host, my name, D. Hello, everyone. This is D. Gill, host of the Game Day T. Thank you for joining me for another wonderful episode. I have a really cool episode for you all because I have two guests for you. And one guest you are already familiar with, Devin Ibanez, uh, gay out rugby player. Everybody knows Devin at this point. <laughs> and But I also do have, I have Mark Jones. He is on the board for the World Barbarians. And we want to just have an open discussion about inclusion and uh, racism and stuff like that and rugby. Yes, rugby, y'all. This is another rugby episode. Deal with it because this uh, this needs to get out there. So both of you all, Devin, Mark, welcome to the Game Day T. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. So Mark, just let everybody know your background with rugby before we really dive into these topics. All right. Well, rugby is fairly new to me. I only started playing since 2006. So it's short 15 years that I've been involved with rugby. Uh, I grew up playing football and traveled quite a bit for my job and landed in Minnesota and got recruited by one of my good friends, AJ, in Minneapolis to come play uh, rugby with the Minneapolis Mayhem. And shortly thereafter, I ended up playing rugby in Ireland at the Bingham Cup in Dublin. So that was a quick turnaround year. I learned rugby and I got to go to Dublin, Ireland and play there as well. And I've been playing with multiple teams for the uh, last 15 years. I play for a charity team out of Hong Kong, the Hong Kong Potbelly Pigs. We raise money for the Filipino Rugby Union. Okay. And then I also play for the St. Paul Pigs, which is my local club. And then finally, I play with the War Barbarians, and we pretty much play in IGR events uh, like Bingham Cup. So that's pretty much my experience with rugby. I've played anywhere that they've asked me to be from front row to inside center where they ran me like a horse because I played football. <laughs> so nowadays, I'm just the old man trying to get some minutes in when I can and help the team win that way but not beat my body up like i did when i was much younger wow that now that is an impressive resume right there <laughs> Devin, nah. Devin, uh can you let everybody know what your background in rugby <laughs> <laughs> well that was uh that's probably the most pig themed teams that i've heard in one place in my entire <laughs> life i've heard about the pop belly pigs though they play in hong kong uh, tens which is like one of the most famous tournaments in the world Um, Me, my background with rugby, I've been playing for over 13 years now. Um, I picked it up when I was in high school and I went on to, you know, captain my high school and my university team and then did a kind of world tour and went and played in Australia, New Zealand, England, and then eventually came back to the U.S., which is where I played professional rugby with the New England Free Jacks as well as club rugby with Mystic River. So that's kind of been my journey and experience with rugby. So I've kind of gotten to see... The wider rugby culture beyond just what's happening in the U.S. And there is kind of a lot of interesting differences between the different rugby nations, so to speak. Well, well, one thing we need to talk about in rugby in general, you guys, is racism in rugby. And I I hate that we have to talk about this subject still in 2021, Uh, racism and inclusion, matter of fact. But it needs to be said from both of you all's experience have you all what have you all experienced like as far as racist comments or not felt included in you know a part of the team or just because of your sexuality uh, can you all tell me some personal experiences that you have encountered 
I'll let you go first, Evan. <laughs> um, I have experienced quite a bit. I mean, the fact of the matter is I'm somebody who is still very much so like perceived as being white. So, I mean, for those who don't know, my background is I'm half Puerto Rican and then half, the other half is kind of like Eastern European Jewish background. So my name is Devin Andres Ibanez, but if you look at me, a lot of people just sort of assume I'm, yeah, I'm I mostly just would think that I'm white. Mm -hmm. So I think that I've experienced some racism when people have just seen like my name. I had like when I was in high school, basically we used to make these like social events for our matches to try to get people to come watch. And I was the organizer of the event and the other team kind of saw that and saw that we were making this big thing out of it. And people decided to take to that page and call me a spick and all these other things because of just what my last name was. Um, having, yeah, having no other real knowledge about me besides that. And then beyond that, I haven't had a lot directed at me, but mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes on kind of around me. And in the sense that for me, one of the biggest things that you'll notice is kind of the unwillingness to push racist people mm -hmm. and people who have done racist things in the past out of the game. Mm -hmm. And the biggest example I have of that is I know, you know, I've had a coach in my experience, I'm not going to name the teams and who it is because I don't necessarily feel it's productive. But mm -hmm. this was a coach who was very widely known of being basically suspended when they were a player for using home for using not only homophobic slurs, but in this case, there was an instance where he was given a red card in a match for basically using racist slurs against a black player who was in the match and was given a red card for it and then even was disciplined further and suspended from rugby for an entire year in mm -hmm. the like in the northeast mm -hmm. and they have now gone on to not only come back and play after that in a couple years and be sort of welcomed back but has gone on to then be a coach who has now not only become the head coach but is now also coaching community teams and things along these lines and people are just sort of fine with it I guess it no. seems because they are so like happy to have somebody with a rugby pedigree for those who don't know you know if you have a European background in any way you're from either Australia you're from New Zealand you're from England everyone just takes your word as kind of gospel when it comes to rugby mm -hmm. and I think that when you have that kind of pedigree people are just sort of willing to overlook the fact that you say things that are just outlandish and like undeniably racist mm. that, that that is terrible is you know like people i, I totally agree and it's, even to a extent of celebrities and stuff right uh, i i for comedy purposes some people say oh that's just comedy when they say racist stuff and discriminating stuff but i still think some of the stuff is not okay especially stuff about homophobia because uh guys hurt women hurt uh, people out there hurt and words hurt you know so uh mark what about you all right. Well, I have two sides of that coin, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been involved with IGR, which is the International Gay Rugby Association since 2007, when I started playing for the Minneapolis Mayhem. And we traveled around quite a bit, you know, playing Midwest rugby. No issue, no issue, no issue. It wasn't until I got exposed to the international level within the organization where then we start to see the racism pop up, especially when we attend events and I attend events in Europe because they're not used to seeing us play. And hearing words is like, you know, when they pick players, you know, I bet that guy has speed, really? <laughs> I do, so don't get me wrong, but still. Yeah. 
that is that kind of underground racism that you experience when I play international rugby. It's that. Now, within the organization, we had a little tiff because we started seeing a lot of minority players leaving. And so I started asking questions. I even joined the board. But one of the challenges is, is you address racism inside of IGR or any gay organization until you accept that there are differences and acknowledge that racism exists. And so the biggest pushback within our organization that I kept running into is the people in power, which is absolutely not minority, mm -hmm. will consistently say there's no racism within our organization. Mm -hmm. So how can you address an issue if you don't even know it exists? Yeah. And so that was one of the biggest challenges. It was actually, I was dealing with it going through COVID last year, last March, April, and May, dealing with it. And I just finally said, you know what? I can't fix people who don't want to fix themselves or acknowledge there's a problem to begin with. Right. We've had countless calls. We're trying to fix the problem. And, but if the people in power don't understand how deep rooted this problem is, you can't fix it yeah. unless they get on board. And one thing that I've always learned is we can't fix that problem. Mm -hmm. We can talk to the issue, but the, the problem doesn't lie on us. It relies on those people in power to understand it, and they have to address it from the top down and not expect us to fix it from the bottom up. Now, on the bright side of it, I played for the Minneapolis Mayhem, and I got recruited to the straight team. And they were more welcoming than I've ever experienced with an IGR. Okay. And they knew. They came out and they recruited like five of us because they didn't care. Their number one goal is to have good rugby players and win games. Okay. And so that was a complete different flip. And it was kind of not what I expected, right, in rugby. I expected those teams to be mean to us mm -hmm. and the other teams to be better off. But it's not like that at all. It, for me, my experience was the exact opposite, where I would expect safe haven and a comfort level within the gay community. Didn't get it and went to play straight rugby and have had the time of my life. So I made that switch and that's why I became involved with the World Barbarians because that's the team within the organization that's welcome to all. So okay. anybody, whether you play for a team, if you don't feel comfortable with the team in your neighborhood or you pay for a straight team in your city, you can come play with us at Bingham Cup and we welcome you with open arms. Mm -hmm. And we've had all types of people on our team from trans people, you know, straight people, gay people, no one cared, bisexual people. We were just there to play rugby. And that's that's really what I really enjoy about the World Barbarians and why I became such a big part. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with the Game Day Tea. Welcome back to the Game Day Tea. We're talking about racism in rugby. So let me get this straight. You experienced more, you know, lack of inclusion with a gay team more than a straight team, correct? Absolutely. I know. It, it, that, I see the look on your face. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt is because I expected to be walking with open arms. But then again... I don't want to just say this is a gay rugby thing mm -hmm. because in general, the community, depending on where you live, if it's not diverse, it's either you're in or you're out. And if you're out, a lot of times they say no black people at these parties or no this or no that. Uh -huh. You tend to see that in the gay circles, not so much as in the straight circles. Well, you know what? That You're absolutely right, though, because within the gay community, we can be really nasty. You know, even if you don't, your body type's not at a certain point. I can't tell you how many people, you know, you see a group of people that have their all in the speedos and everything. You don't see not one black person in the group. It's all, you know, I, so for instance, I love Burning Man. I've never been, I love the uh, aspect and ideology behind Burning Man. I really want to go one day. 
and I was uh, looking up this group to camp with. Uh, I, I'm not going to say their name, but they're a predominantly gay group there. And I had asked a person that has been to Burning Man. I was like, hey, I found a gay group to camp with. I'm going to reach out to them, see if I can camp with them at Burning Man. And their answer was, you don't want to do that. I was like, why? It's like, there's no one that looks like you. I was like, hmm. He's like, you will not feel comfortable. And I'm thinking, I am comfortable. I, I get along with everybody. And it's like, that would be, that will ruin your experience. I advise you to go with another, you know, group, find somebody in your city to go with the camp with, search burningman.org, but you don't want to go with that group. And I was like, dang, that is so messed up. We eat each other up. And Devin, I, like you said, some people perceive you as being white. I know you probably had some people say some stuff around you thinking that you were just a part of the, the, their, their race. And it's just like, Oh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, have you, or am I just making an assumption? Um, I have experienced some of that, yeah. especially in when I was playing around like Australia, mm -hmm. um, that kind of a scene. And it was something where I came back from Australia and I was like, it was an incredible experience for me playing wise. Like I took so much from it. I improved so much as a player, but when I came back and I would talk to friends about it, and especially like friends of mine who are friends of like people of color, mm -hmm. and they would talk to me about it, I'd be like, oh, I'd really love to go to Australia. And I was like, honestly, I don't think you would really enjoy playing there because the club I actually played for, and I played for a few different clubs, so it won't be necessarily exposing them to say this, but I had somebody who was a like club official come to me and be like, I think you're actually the first like Spanish person we've ever had play for our club come to find out that they'd only been racially integrated for about 30 years. Wow. Um, so it's like little things like that, where it's like, there's not only is there not a single person of color on these teams, mm -hmm. but they're also just so used to being around only white people that yeah. the things that they say it doesn't even register with them that it's not inclusive because to them they're just like oh yeah all the rugby lads are rugby lads you know i'll hang out with the fijians i'll hang out with the tongans i'll hang out with the samoans it doesn't matter to me but there's also not the same awareness of language in that kind of hemisphere because there's not the same kind of history of slavery within the u.s as well right and all these other deep-seated things it's more towards aboriginal people in australia and there it's kind of similar to the us with native americans where nobody really talks about it it's a very like under the radar thing that is only brought up by the groups that are affected by it and not as you know as mark was saying kind of focused on or acknowledged by the people who are actually perpetuating the issue. So it's something that really affects, and it's interesting that he brought up about the global rugby community, how that's where he kind of experienced more of these issues is because globally, it's it's always been a very white sport. I mean, mm -hmm. top down, it's been not only separated kind of socioeconomically in the sense that it was always a sport meant for the rich, but even more than that, with these boarding schools that all started from England, which kind of the places where it became popular, like Australia and South Africa were colonized. That is sort of the history of rugby. And I think that as we've kind of gotten past that, a lot of people have sort of forgotten that that is the roots of the sport that we are playing. And we're still kind of seeing those same exact things perpetuated in the diversity of the teams, as well as the diversity of the leadership, like Mark was saying. So both of you all have experienced these things. How does it make you feel? Especially, Mark, when you hear that, well, we don't have racism in rugby. Well, that's a great question because actually I went to the mat on this <laughs> and I made it a huge issue within our organization mm -hmm. to the point I made everyone aware of it and I put them on blast. And I almost was threatening to go to the media. A couple of my friends that said, Mark, 
we already don't feel welcome here. And if you do this, we will have nowhere else to go. If you go public with what happened to you within the organization, we already don't feel welcome here and and, and the organization. And if you go public, we won't have a place to play rugby. Mm. And that was the only reason I didn't go any further with it because it irked me to my soul Mm -hmm. to have an organization or people tell me there's no racism when we did a survey with almost 200 responses that absolutely said there was racism. Mm -hmm. And to ignore that and not address it, Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I sat on the back burner. All of 2020 dealing with this came out to root in January and we had elections for new board members and I just trust the process. I gave them the opportunity. And here we are almost June, almost a year later and we still haven't had any meaningful action on the issue with racism within the organization. And that's mostly because, because it's racism, no one wants to address it. We put it to the side to deal with our, the trans issue that was going on within IGR at the time, because they weren't gonna be able to play, play at all. So we got tossed to the back burner yet again, and then here we are a year later and nothing meaningful has happened. And that was a choice that leadership made, even after having conversations with many of them about making change. And what I've learned out of all of this, if someone tells you, hey, tell us what to do, they don't really care. They just want to put the responsibility on you to fix it. Mm -hmm. They should be saying, how can I be a better partner with you to expose it and resolve the issue? but they don't want to take those steps because then that takes responsibility on them on an issue that they don't really even think exists. And that's the problem that I'm seeing within, within rugby, within this rugby potential organization that ha- causes these problems. So what do we do? Uh, you know, I sit back and I say, what can we do to make it better? Truth be told, we're spread all over, all over the country. And the only issue we have now, we're at the mercy of the majority to make decisions. I mean, we may represent 15% of the entire organization, and that might be high. And so 15% of the people that in the organization is not going to make 85% make a change. And that's where it was important for leadership to add some diversity, which what is what we did, mm-hmm. but that diversity hasn't panned out and made any true actions mm-hmm. to happen. Because it's been a year, and we have nothing to show for it. And I just recognize after going through my year of this, that no matter what we do to try to fix it, at the end of the day, this is going to always be the last issue they want to address. So if if someone drops and breaks a nail, they're going to fix that before they fix this. So it's down the totem pole, out the door, in the ground, and they're not going to dig it up to address it. So they just hope that we just stay quiet and just continue to play. And the question could be asked, Devin, is do they have the right people on the board that they even brought on to represent, you know, these issues? It's like, do we, how do we, are they confident enough? Are they confident in themselves to say, hey, I am in the majority here, but I'm going to bang this table like a damn African drum, Mm. you know? I would say that from what I've seen, especially with what's going on with the pandemic, there is very much this kind of what's happening in IGR of we are all volunteers and everyone is kind of just saying, you know, there are only a set amount of things that we can put our hours into. And I think as Mark is saying, 
it's kind of easy in that situation to then say, okay, well, this is something that obviously requires a great amount of time and a great amount of care to do right. And so it does sort of keep getting pushed away, right? And I think that there is also this hesitancy to rush over it for kind of the same reasons. They're like, oh, well, we don't want to rush into action because this is something, you know, we want to, we want to make sure we take time on. But, you know, from seeing the process from, you know, kind of the inside is, they do have some people who are working on it. There is a task force that basically they've put together as a way to address what is happening. Mm -hmm. But like Mark said, there hasn't been a lot of physical action that the public and wider part of IGR have seen. For what I've seen, what they are starting to kind of establish behind the scenes is what they want to do is create basically a network and almost a checklist of reaching out to different programs and trying to hear about the experiences of players of color within that program. Mm -hmm. But Mark, and I'm sure we'll speak to this, is that is being led also by somebody who is a person of color who is putting in an exceptional amount of effort into this. And I don't know, I can't speak 100% to who is supporting and helping. I know that he has mentioned he has people who are helping him, but it does seem that it's sort of similar to what Mark is saying, where it's all the, falling onto the shoulders of the people of color to fix this. And it's not necessarily that the person in charge doesn't want to do it. He seems very happy to have this opportunity to be engaged and hopefully be able to make a transformative change. I can't speak for him on that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I think that it does come to this same thing where Mark is saying where it's like, you can't get 85% of the people <laughs> and do their work for them with some of just a handful of people within the organization. So I think that it's really, it's a really difficult issue if it's not something that is going to be treated as a urgent kind of priority to say that this is something we absolutely need to address mm -hmm. and not something that we're going to necessarily lay out this big you know multi-year long plan that's part of the process but there does need to be some sort of direct action that we can show we are welcome to everybody and we want to make sure that we are listening to and valuing those experiences and i can say that you know from the outside looking in it did not seem like that was mark's experience mm -hmm. it did seem like he was pulling teeth trying to get people to listen. And this is not meant to be as an attack to IGR. It's just rather to be an honest assessment of there is work to be done, right? And I'm I'm somebody who has just named the IGR global ambassador. And it's something that I'm very proud of because I think there is an amazing thing that IGR can do for inclusivity, inclusivity and this amazing potential that it has. But in that same vein, we can't necessarily just stand there and pat ourselves on the back and say, you know, we are perfect. We have a plan laid out, you know, we're going to be able to address this, we do need to actually start thinking, what is that action we're going to take? And who is the onus? Like, who are we putting that onus on? Right? Are we just going to pick somebody who we think is very promising and knowledgeable on the issue and say, here, you make this work for our entire organization? Or are we going to take a more direct approach and say, we are going to help you do this? let's come to you with some ideas and then you can let us know if there's places you think you can improve rather than the other way around. Right. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. You know, I was that person. I was on a team of that person prior to the current person who's trying to pull it all together. I was asked to be on the, on the, on the board because there was no diversity and I got involved with the, that, frustrated me because I was on that committee and some words were said behind scenes that only a person of color can address. And I was the only known person within the organization that that, that Gus felt comfortable moving forward with. Saying the only thing that person said, only thing they took away was Mark thinks we're racist. 
And that was the thing that set me sideways because when you use the racist word, I grew up in Mississippi, I've heard it enough. When you use racism and, and calling someone a racist, that shuts the conversation down, which is why I didn't, I don't say that, I don't call people racist. I say they don't understand. I try to use other words. Even if their actions say that, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because you stop all conversations with that. And that was where my experience turned extremely south because one person said something like that and then everybody's ideal of me is, oh, he thinks we're all racist and you can't overcome that. Mm -hmm. So myself, I didn't even run to, run for my board seat again, even after being asked. Because I just like, you know, the world is too rough with a pandemic to sit here and try to overcome someone call, someone saying that you call them a racist, which I actually didn't. And it's too much. It was just too much. So I said, you know, I'm gonna step away. I'll focus on the barbarians and the potbelly pigs and helping my home club win and let someone else carry the mantle. And what that's what seems to continually happen when we're addressing these issues is that one person leads the charge trying to get it fixed. They get beat down, beat up, they move aside, they step away. And then the next person steps up because we all want to change it, but we can't change it because we're the 15% roughly. The 85% has to bring something forward other than saying, hey, you fix it. Yeah. I can't fix a problem that isn't mine. Mm -hmm. It's not my problem. I have to deal with the fallout from the problem, but I didn't create it. I didn't create racism. Mm -hmm. I don't make people say horrible things. I actually took some screenshots along with some other people at one of at our last tournament in um, in the Netherlands. And it was funny, all the people that would say no rice, no this, and no black in their profile online, but we don't have an issue. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to look far to find it, right? So I just find things. And I was like, go to play rugby, so I don't have to deal with that stuff. But it was just an interesting thing that within our own community, the community that we fight, we're fighting everyone to get recognized and appreciated. Yet while we're fighting other people, we're destroying and eating our own. And we're watching them leave left and right. Not just rugby, but overall, most communities, most of my friends, they don't even go to the bars anymore because they've gotten so frustrated within our own community. It's just, we just walk away and go do other stuff. And it's just a challenge that we all face. I mean, it's not just in this community, it's in any community, right? But for a community that is pushed down and has to fight for everything tooth and nail, you would think that would be the last place that you would experience discrimination and racism in. And it's not. And I, it's, it's disheartening. Yeah. And unless the 85% does something, I just don't know how we fix it. Yeah. I really don't. From the outside looking in, guys, um, from the outside looking in, it sounds like a couple of things. We don't want to recognize our history, how how awful it, it is, you know, with racism as a whole. Uh, it sounds like a lot of pride is on the line. Like uh, we can't let our pride down to acknowledge that there is an issue. And it also is like saving face and, and probably mo uh, money wise as well. Is it good for business? Is it good for IGR to tackle this issue as well? And so there's, there's a whole bunch of things that play into that. And I, my heart goes out to you all because I, Mark, you should never feel like you want to stop your efforts into doing what's right, you know, but that's, our system has been designed for that is to, we'll, we'll, we'll string them along just enough. Hopefully he'll forget about us or we'll beat him down and he'll just quit. 
you know, and, and, and that's what's been going on, on and on and on. And I like that these upcoming generations, millennials and Z, Gen Z and all this other stuff, we're not taking that shit no more. You know, right. it's, uh, hell, Mark, a hundred years ago, you probably would have been hanged for bringing us something like that. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I want people to hear, hear me out on that. 100 years ago, that's not a long time ago. Mark would have been hung because of him bringing up these issues. So we have some work to do, guys. And, and I really appreciate you all bringing this. I had no clue this was going on. You know, I, I kind of figure racism is everywhere, but within the own community, it's, it's just appalling to me. And quickly, guys, I want to give you all each like two minutes to just to have an open heart. What do you want to say? to you all, your community, about this issue and what can we do going forward to help fix it? You know, I'd heard about and seen from the outside kind of looking in about what Mark had gone through and sort of the surface of what he's talking about, but even just hearing him talk about it more now, I hope that for other members of IGR who listen to this or even people who are involved in the leadership, that you just take time to like reflect on <laughs> those experiences that he just relayed to us, where it's like, you might think these issues are bad and you might even think oh well yeah racism exists here because it exists everywhere but i don't think it's the same as actually listening to and hearing somebody talk about what it is they experience in the organization so i think that it's also important to say that it's not a time for us to look and say oh igr is awful blow up the entire organization there's you know there's nothing good about this organization or even start to get defensive and say well no igr does all these amazing things and it is inclusive and we provide this opportunity because it's true right there are great things that igr does but it's not about defending the organization and it's also not about throwing away the organization it's just about acknowledging the these experiences and understanding that that is the base that we're working with, right? That is what we are dealing with as an organization. Those are the real experiences that are out there. It's not about denying them. It's not about saying, oh, well, we aren't at fault for that, or there's nothing we can do to fix it. It's about understanding that that is out there and now saying, how can we change that? Because we're an organization that is based around inclusivity, right? The entire base of the organization is we want people to have a place where they wouldn't otherwise have and feel safe to play with us. So if we know that this is something that is happening, think about how that impacts you as somebody who is listening to that experience, right? The experience of not being able to feel safe in an IGR team compared to a straight team, quote unquote, that's heartbreaking, right? Because that's, that's against everything that we want this organization to be. So I think that that's really the message we want to put out there is not that it's some horrible organization that needs to be canceled or that it's individuals who need to be stripped down just that these are experiences we need to understand are happening and that we need to start thinking of ways to actually address them be that holding people accountable for the things that they're doing be it putting more people of color in positions of power and actually listening to their experiences in the organization we need to start thinking of actual things that we can really start doing that is going to put those experiences at the forefront and allow us to learn from them and actually create a blueprint moving forward where we don't ignore those experiences we don't deny them we try to listen and empathize with them and try to make our organization better that's the big takeaway i want to be from kind of brought away from this not having anything to do with we need to defend igr we need to say that this doesn't exist for a pr perspective mm -hmm. just going in and trying to understand that this is something that people are experiencing 
and how do we change that because that goes against what we are trying to accomplish as an organization mark excellent excellent devin i agree with that uh wholeheartedly i don't i don't think the organization should be canceled i think it has an absolute purpose in 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 rugby to have that organization around matter of fact the one person that went to bat for me also is no longer uh, part of the organization because he had enough dr gus ventura venturata <laughs> i always get his name wrong but he went to bat for me and just as well as i had to walk away because it's too much he was essentially forced to walk away and i think that's a shame because he's been a part of the organization since day one he was there willing to fight he would fall in the same category as devin right where most people don't recognize that he's cuban so they don't view him as a minority. And because of that, they were saying things in the room in front of him that they shouldn't have been saying, which how I got involved with this because hmm. he wanted to make a change. He saw it was an issue. And I would like, honestly, for the organization to bring him back in some form or fashion because he deserves to be there. He was the only person that was willing to step up and open his mouth and say something to stop this thing that was going on behind the scenes. And I think that's what an organization needs. That's the kind of leader I want to be, be friends with and be a part of. That person that's not going to sit there and let people say things behind the scene, but it's going to call it out so we can make true change, not hide it. And that's what my issue was mostly about, is just trying to get people in there that understand we have a problem, let's work for to do it. We don't need a 20-year plan to fix it. We can actually start addressing it right away as we build a long-term plan. But a year is a long time to be building a plan behind the scenes. And our survey came out last April, March, April timeframe. So we've known over a year about the issues in, within the organization, but nothing has actually hit the membership to make a change. And I think that's what I'd like to see happen. I don't want to see it burned down, although at points I was pretty upset and I was going to like that match. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, when you have recordings of people saying things they shouldn't have with their faces on it, you can really burn things down. But I don't want to be that person. Right. I know people have nowhere else to go. I'm one of the fortunate ones where I have a local club that appreciates me and wants me to be out there and recruited me despite of, right? So I don't want to prevent other clubs, people from having that opportunity that don't have that opportunity to go anywhere else. So that is not my intent, but I absolutely think we need to address it. And it's been a long time coming up. Like I said, 16 years for me. Mm. And I've watched them. I mean, it was up until recently when Charlotte came along and they have a diverse team and we had a Baltimore team that kind of started popping up. We'd go to international tournaments. Like we went down to Australia and we were one of 19. We couldn't even fool the full team. It was only 19 of us there. Mm. I said, we can run the ball and we can tackle people. We ain't got a kicker or a scrum half, so we screwed. We can't play together. <laughs> that we spread out ourselves amongst other teams. Wow. But you know, it's it's interesting, right? I've been I've been to six continents playing rugby. Wow. I've played all over the world, all in Vietnam and all these small places. And it's just strange to me that we can't get this right. Mm. And we can't I, I know we have the ability to, but they have to have desire to actually address the issue. And I think Devin's gonna be a great gateway to making that kind of thing happen. Well, well guys, uh that that is I, I really hope you all see change in, in rugby and I, I love that you all can use this platform 
um, we got one minute here, so I just want to quickly have you guys, if somebody wants to reach out to you all and to to uh, help out with this fight, where can they do that? Go ahead, Devin. Um, you can find me uh, at, that, at that gay rugger on Instagram. Um, I'm also on Twitter as well. Um, you can email me as well, thatgayrugger at gmail.com. And yeah, I'm always open and always looking to have a conversation. And I'm sure that a lot of people in IGR are going to listen to this and have a lot of thoughts about it. And honestly, I would like to have those conversations. So mm -hmm. please reach out to me. And Mark? I'm at, I'm, I'm, I'm on email. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Mjordan972 at AOL.com. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. I'm in a lot of those groups online, although I don't really participate all that much now since all of this has kind of shooken out. But I'm in those groups as well. I'm GM Jordan on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So those are the two places you'll probably find me the most the easiest. If you get a hold of me, I respond to all emails, all messengers, unless they're trying to sell me Bitcoin, you know, that's the big thing now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole nother uh, thing, but, uh, but um, uh, guys, I, I want to reiterate what uh, Devin said, Marcus said, this is not an attack on IGR. This is basically, we're just spilling some tea on what we got to say about the situation. Um, we're doing this for the our ancestors that didn't couldn't and you know and told that they shouldn't if that makes sense to you all listening out there and uh let us hear your thoughts on this uh i we're going to do a follow-up episode um on because i want to hear some of the feedback that you all have gotten and i want people to hear about it good bad and different uh hopefully it's good receptive, but I also want to uh, be candid, you know, and tell the truth. That's the most important thing is to tell the truth. And uh, you can do that always on this podcast with the Game Day Tea with D. Gill. I, guys, I want to thank you all so much for coming on. I look forward to talking to you all again. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, my handles on Instagram and Twitter are uh, D. Gill, D-G-I-L-T-M. Uh, let's continue this conversation, guys. And I will be talking to you all in a few weeks. I always like to end my episodes with be true, be you, and be fierce. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you.